This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Wednesday afternoon, April 6th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart, the owner of Water Tower Places, surrendering the property to its lender. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, Fed policy is in the spotlight as the country is hit with rampant inflation. We're joined by Gus Fauché, chief economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Gus, thanks for joining us today. The uh, Fed is sounding very hawkish, and that even includes uh, some commentary from some Fed governors who uh, aren't necessarily necessarily uh, have, have a reputation for being hawkish when it comes to interest rate hikes. Um, that's right. Governor Brainerd, who's the new vice chair, has been talking about raising interest rates, as has Mary Daly, who is the San Francisco Fed president, and she's been a little more dovish. Uh, so it looks like that they're pretty much agreed that they need to raise interest rates quickly to cool off growth and bring down inflation. Now, what uh, would be what's the end game? You know, obviously, it's ending inflation would be the end game for uh, these interest rate hikes, which even if they're pretty steep and pretty consistent, historically aren't as high as they were, say, in the mid 2000s when it was five to six percent, the federal funds rate. If they if they start if, if this tips the economy into a recession, even if it's a recession on paper, um, you know what 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 type of level of, of economic growth, uh, what level of unemployment uh, would be needed to bring inflation under control? Well, what the Fed is trying to do is it's trying to bring in face inflation under control without causing a recession. Uh, and so they want to raise interest rates enough so that growth slows, but we don't actually see a contraction in the economy. Uh, but that being said, I think even if we do get a recession this time around, not saying that it's going to happen, but the odds have gone up, it would probably be a fairly mild recession, more like the recessions that the U.S. economy experienced in 1990 or the early 2000s rather than the financial crisis or the pandemic recession. Um, this would be, you know, the, the Fed knows what they're doing. They're trying to cool off growth. They may overshoot. They may cause a mild recession, but hopefully this time around it wouldn't be too bad. Well, one of the wags I saw on Twitter this morning was talking about how uh, in the last decade we had the jobless recovery from the Great Recession of 2008, and uh, the Fed is now trying to engineer a full employment recession. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the economy itself is in great shape right now. So we can, the unemployment rate is down to 3.6%. That's very close to where it was before the pandemic. Uh, you know, we've been adding. 500, 600,000 jobs per month. Uh, you know, we've had people coming back into the labor force. So the risk of recession is 
in the near term is pretty small given the momentum in the economy. The bigger concern is late 2022 or early 2023 once we felt the full impact of these Federal Reserve rate increases. Well, having fun with uh, charts and graphs this morning, looking at the uh, federal funds rate over the last 60 years, it used to be uh, from the 1990s uh, up until about 2001 that uh, interest rates, the federal funds rate in the high fives or low sixties was the norm. And now we're talking about uh, a massive hike, uh, possibly up to 2%, which is still rather low, historically speaking. Yeah, we may get higher than 2%. We may get up to 3% or even a little bit above that. Part of it is is we're starting from rates right now that are very close to zero. So uh, the increase in the Fed funds rate is going to be more similar to what we've experienced. But we're in a world now where interest rates are lower permanently than they were, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So in a world of structurally lower interest rates, that means the Fed doesn't need to raise the Fed funds rate as much to cool off growth. Thanks for joining us. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Coming up, a major downtown shopping mall is changing ownership. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There's a change of ownership at Water Tower Mall on Chicago's iconic Magnificent Mile. Let's learn more from Albie Galoon, the senior reporter of Crane Chicago Business. Albie, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like the owners of Water Tower Place uh, handed the deed back over to the bank and decided to walk away. They did, yeah. Brookfield Property Partners uh, has owned the property for a while. Um, they were planning a major renovation of the shopping mall, and they just decided that um, it wasn't worth it. So they, they basically just handed the property over to its lender, MetLife, and now MetLife is going to have to figure out what to do with the property. It's, um, you know, it's been a very difficult market for the last two years on Michigan, North Michigan Avenue, and Water Tower has certainly struggled as well, lost many tenants, including Macy's, which shut down about a year ago. So they've got some work ahead of them. There's a major uh, major turnaround that needs to happen there. I mean, it sounds like Water Tower Place has been hit by uh, th- all three of the uh, major stress points that have been uh, hitting the city of Chicago since uh, the-, the end of the last decade, the retail apocalypse, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, uh, causing tourism to virtually disappear, and then uh, the rise in crime in cities like Chicago. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it was Michigan Avenue and Water Tower were already having a hard time before the COVID pandemic. And then COVID really accelerated things. And then, of course, we had, um, you know, rioting and looting uh, uh, in downtown uh, in the summer of 2000 or 2020, I should say. And um, and there's been been more crime since then. So, you know, the, the city is going to have to address that issue uh, there was recently a panel that was convened by the Urban Land Institute to come up with recommendations for how to turn around the Magnificent Mile. And they made it very clear that addressing crime is job one. So um, and and the city is going to have to get that under control before, you know, anything really um, major uh, positive in a major way happens there. 
And this is the multi-million dollar question is, you know, what can the bank do to turn the property around? Because Michigan Avenue is already surrounded by businesses that uh, are usually the things you do to turn shopping malls around by putting in more restaurants or cultural attractions. Right. Well, and, you know, they're turning around North Michigan Avenue is, um, you know, it's going to take multiple solutions, not just one solution, but clearly um, getting crime under control is one. Uh, You know, I think uh, there's a general belief that, uh, you know, obviously uh, Michigan Avenue has three vertical malls on it, but I think that, that it, it has come to look like one big shopping mall and they really need to, expand their offerings beyond the types of retailers that you'll find in a shopping mall. So um, that means bringing in experiential tenants, whether it's um, the museum of ice cream or some of these shows that we're seeing that are rolling into town. So if you can bring in something that's uh, interesting and unique and exciting, I think, um, and we'll bring in tourists, you know, I think, you know, Michigan Avenue can turn around. Well, thanks for joining us, Albie Galoon, senior reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Coming up next, Tiger Woods' return to the Masters sparks an explosion of interest. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. Interest in this week's Masters golf tournament is skyrocketing thanks to the return of Tiger Woods. And that's also great news for the golf industry that's revving up for its new season. We're joined by Matt McEntee, the senior vice president of business development for the golf course management company Troon, based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Even now, uh, as he is in the twilight of his career, how big of a deal is Tiger Woods in the world of golf, especially when it comes to interest in the game of golf? Oh, he's huge. Uh, I, you know, I've never really – he's always had a significant impact, but this week and the last maybe the three weeks running up to the Masters, the interest on in whether he would play is so huge and so broad across so many – you know, so many people. And I think one of the things that uh, as he's gotten older, he's inspired people to come back to golf. I think that's one of the really interesting things. But this would be the equivalent of like Michael Jordan showing up outside of the United Center saying he wants to strap him on one more time. And, and, and as far as interest in the game of golf is concerned, you know, historically, what was it like pre-Tiger and what was the impact, you know, after he burst onto the scene in the late 1990s? Well, pre-Tiger, it was, I mean, you know, golf was pretty healthy, but he was clearly the biggest, had the biggest impact that anybody's ever had. And so, you know, it, it spanned, um, you know, age groups and all sorts of demographics. And there was a big Tiger bump. I, I think one of the things that the golf industry really anticipated and they tried to prepare for by building about 4,400 golf courses in about a 10-year stretch is they they really were preparing for what was going to be the tiger bump, you know, the tiger effect. And he, he had a significant effect, but um, it almost seems like with the pandemic, um, you know, from my perspective and the golf industry's perspective, we'd never seen anything like the, the bump we're having now, just, just as a result of the pandemic. And it's, let's talk about the pandemic. I mean, golf is an outdoor activity, so it was something that people could do even in 2020 before the vaccines came on the scene. But you know, how did the pandemic harm the business of golf? And uh, will this uh, added interest in Tiger Woods playing in the Masters uh, kind of make up for some of those losses during 2020 and 2021? 
Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, I think the only harm that the pandemic did was some of the, the shutdowns that were as a result of, you know, of uh, the COVID protocols. Because once it opened up, which was about June of 2020 here, we were shut down all of April 2020. And then May, we had Governor Pritzker had us with this crazy rule, twosomes in 15-minute intervals. Since then, the numbers have been record-setting. I mean, 21 was one of the greatest years in the history of golf. And then you add in the, the, the fact that, that um, interest is so high in Tiger and, 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 and some of the things that he's doing and obviously coming back to play in the Masters because it is, it is without question the number one sports story this week. It's, it's been huge. And so I would say the, the, overall the pandemic's actually been like the, a shot in the arm, unlike any other. We've, had, we've got about 3 million new players into the game, which, um, you know, everybody that's involved feels like that's sustainable. Rounds are um, at, a, at a historic high. 21, the rounds at 21 were unbelievable. And, you know, as a guy that everybody asks for golf advice, I tell everybody that I can make a tea, make a tea time because in the old pre-pandemic, you could walk out and play. And there were still stories about, you know, golf being on the downturn. And now you're lucky to be able to even get a tee time, no matter where you go. And even in Chicago in 50-degree weather, uh, you know, anybody that's open is busy. Matt McEntee, Senior Vice President of Business Development for the golf course management company Troon, based in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The U.S. and its allies impose strong new sanctions on Russia and its leading citizens. A special report coming up from CBS News. In Personal Finance Wednesday, the best place to teach your children about money is right at home. 
JetBlue is set to buy discount carrier Spirit Airlines, but the reaction from Wall Street isn't all positive. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 199 points. The NASDAQ is down 339. The S&P 500 is down 52. AccuWeather says breezy with intervals of clouds and sunshine. A shower in spots later on. A high today of 57, 52 degrees right now at 1231. CBS News special report. President Biden has just addressed the new Russia sanctions after what he called atrocities in Bucha, Ukraine from Russian forces. The images have been pouring through all week of civilians lying dead on streets in the city, which is just west of the capital, Kiev. Steps we've already taken are predicted to shrink Russia's gross domestic product by double digits this year alone. Just in one year, our sanctions are likely to wipe out the last 15 years of Russia's economic gains. The new sanctions hit Russia's Sabair Bank, which holds one-third of its total banking assets, and Alpha Bank, the country's fourth largest financial institution. CBS's Sarah Cook says the sanctions hit individual people, too. The new sanctions target Russian President Vladimir Putin's two adult daughters, the wife and daughter of Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, and members of Russia's Security Council. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are trading lower for a second day. Let's see what's moving Wall Street with Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Uh, Jim, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like uh, two words are moving the markets, interest and rates, and maybe we'll add a third, hike. Um <laughs> That that's that's driving the mic the markets downward, and I'm going to start off with a with a quote from an analyst I read this morning, uh, who said that if if the markets like the Fed's interest rate plan, they're not doing enough. Uh, I think what they're afraid of is that the Fed is so far behind the curve that they're going to have to raise rate rates so frequently, so immediately, so consistently over the remainder of this year that there's a chance that they're going to tip the economy into a recession, that they missed the window, they should have been doing this several months ago, and that uh, they can't get inflation under control without uh, tightening financial conditions so much that there's a reasonable risk of a recession uh, next year, if not uh, the year after. So I think that's what's spooking the markets. Uh, the fact that the, 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 the Fed had been so dovish for so long and all of a sudden turned around. It's almost like an alcoholic who swears off liquor and not only swears off liquor, but wants to get liquor uh, uh, illegal in, in the whole country. In other words, they're really, they're really, uh, really having to overdo it to compensate uh, for their lateness. And that's what's spooking the markets. So outside of uh, the Fed uh, turning, turning into uh, carry nation all of a sudden, um, we, 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 looking at the historic uh, federal funds rate, uh, we did have a takeoff uh, beginning in uh, 2017 that continued uh, through the fall of 2019. And during that time, there was continued economic growth interrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of these lofty numbers we're talking about today are mere continuations of where we were almost three years ago. So in that case, an interest rate takeoff didn't tip the economy into recession. I know there are a lot more risks now, but uh, it sounds Sounds like the economy was resilient then and is probably resilient now. Well, then you had inflation running below 2%, and now you have inflation running 8%, 9 10%. And that's the difference. 
that they could reverse their tightening uh, without hurting the economy because inflation was not a threat. And that was a threat that we haven't seen since the 70s. Uh, and, and that, therefore, they're going to have to ratchet up rates so much to get inflation under control that it creates a risk to the economy. Uh, also, uh, compounding that are all the geopolitical risks that we're facing, which creates supply uh, chain shortages, which only aggravate inf- aggravates inflation. So we are we are in a zone of uncertainty with a steep climb in interest rates, and the only thing that could uh, can arrest the decline in the markets is next week we start earnings season, and if companies say that they think the economy can handle this increase in interest rates, well, that will change psychology. If, on the other hand, they say they're starting to see an effect on business from geopolitical uncertainty and the increase in interest rates and inflation, then we'll continue to have a rough time. On the other hand, you have an entire economy that is so used to almost zero or or or, or, or around zero interest rates, even a, a hike up to two percent or three percent, or or even the the nineteen nineties standard of five percent, uh, does seem like uh, quite a hike, uh, even though uh, historically it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal relative to history, but it's a very very much of a big deal relative to where we are and the amount of debt that's been taken on because money was so cheap. So you have, I know consumer balance sheets are in good shape, but there is a lot of debt out there that's going to get progressively more expensive. Mortgages are already getting more expensive. Car loans are going to get more expensive. Uh, and, and although the economy has a good head of steam and, and the consumer is in good shape, every, everything is going to get more expensive at a time when it's already gotten more expensive. So the issue becomes how much inflation, how much increase in interest rates can the consumer tolerate before there's demand destruction and consumers pull back. And that's what the market's wrestling with. Now, we should know the answer to this sometime over the summer and certainly by Labor Day. But right now, as we sit here, we don't know the answer to that. Well, thanks for joining us, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors, LLC, based in New York. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, taking charge when it comes to teaching kids about money. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Many parents believe it's their job to teach their children about money, but many don't practice what they preach. Let's get some help from Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. There have been a number of polls over the years that have said parents aren't necessarily pleased with the fact that they're with how their schools are teaching their kids about money and personal finance. And maybe it's not up to the schools to teach that to kids in the first place and that those lessons should begin at home. Rob, you're exactly right. At the end of the day, I think it's each of us as a parent. I've got two boys in college, so we've been on this journey. If we don't teach our kids about money, someone else is going to do such, and it's best that we impart our values and our strategies, and that's the topic of this session. What should parents be doing today to get their kids at different ages off on the right foot financially? And there are two, I would say maybe three tracks of the teaching 
teaching kids about money discussion. I mean, track number one is just the value of a dollar and how to shop and how to uh, 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 compare prices and, and, and what is more valuable than the other and the value of sales and, and what's a good deal and what's not a good deal. That's the first one. Uh, the second one is the importance of just saving money for yourself. And the third one is uh, investing. And with uh, on the value of a dollar discussion, I mean, that could begin when your child is six or seven or eight years old. It, it really is. You know, we've talked on the Noon Business Hour before that it's never too early to start. We just have to use different techniques. So as you indicated, for those youngest children, they're visual learners. It's about learning to save in a clear jar. It doesn't matter whether it's dollars or pennies. They love the visual. And then as we grow from the early years of school and we start getting into middle school, you're right. Now it's opportunity costs, trying to talk about impulse buys. And then once we get to high school, it really gets fun because the kids are going to own their own savings account, and that's where we can introduce that concept of starting to invest. I didn't say trade, starting to invest, and you can really create some excitement. And this could also be a, uh, a, a knowledge journey for parents as well. Um, if, if you're a parent, you're listening to this discussion, and we're saying, well, maybe these lessons begin at home, uh, you, mom or dad, uh, can start looking up some of these lessons yourself on some online resources. Investopedia is always a great place to go. And then begin imparting those lessons on your kids. So you're both learning at the same time. Rob, I love what you said. You know, people hate the concept of intimacy, but here I'm talking about building financial intimacy, intimacy with your children, even your adult children once they've flown the nest, because I don't think money is necessarily the third rail anymore. And given the Internet has democratized access to information, you're right, Rob. Each of us as parents have plenty of places to go to educate not just ourselves but our children. And I think it's important that we as parents even make ourselves vulnerable. Now, the kids might not listen where we share to them some things that we wish we would have maybe done different. But don't be afraid, mom or dad, to tell those stories so that your kids don't fall into some of the same pitfalls that have maybe enthralled you in your younger years. And I have I have younger children at home. My, my oldest is eight, my youngest is three, and my middle child is six years old. And one of the great things about being a parent is just being blown away by what they already know. So if you're afraid of something going over their head, chances are that's not going to happen. Chances are it's not going to happen, and don't underestimate how you can leverage technology. I mean, Rob, your kids are already better on the tablet than you are, probably, right? Uh, yeah, no, they're they're and they <laughs> they did it themselves. It was it was very intuitive for them. Very intuitive. So you have a built-in in-house technology team for your family with the three kids and embrace technology, use those online portals, entrust your children to help partner in that journey, and you'll get them connected to their money early on. And the sky is the limit when we teach those basic foundations of savings, staying out of debt, understanding choice, needs versus want, and then starting to build that investment portfolio, low-cost stock indices, 
comprised or partnered with some individual companies that they know and understand, that's where the excitement comes from, and it's great when our audience gravitates towards just that. Craig Bellanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group based in Inverness and Downers Grove. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday, and still to come, a major acquisition in the airline industry. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. JetBlue is set to spend more than $3.5 billion to acquire discount airline Spirit. Let's discuss this deal with Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. This is a deal that has many airline industry analysts scratching their head. The Spirit and Frontier merger that was on the table uh, did make sense, but uh, JetBlue and Spirit seem to have a very different operating philosophies. So uh, why is uh, JetBlue getting into the Spirit business? Yeah, this has really uh, taken a lot of uh, the industry by surprise because the general sense was that like-minded carriers tend to want to consolidate. So Frontier and Spirit have a great deal in common, uh, you know, with uh, Allegiant as well, which runs uh, uh, super discount service, unbundled service. Uh, you pay for everything. Um, where JetBlue kind of prides itself on giving you kind of a business class product for coach prices. So they're really uh, totally different. I think, though, what it signifies is JetBlue sees that if it wants to keep up with an industry, it's got to uh, expand. And one way to do that is to have uh, several different products. But uh, this none is indeed a, a bit of a surprise. JetBlue is very much a uh, East Coast-based uh, product. It is out of uh, uh, their big hub is out of JFK in New York City, and it sounds like uh, JetBlue's interest in Spirit is not so much the business model, but the route map. That's right. You look at JetBlue with the big JFK operation. They're huge in Boston. Logan run a lot of flights. You know, kind of the two big core routes are uh, the northeast of Florida, and then they have a big transcontinental operation with some big service uh, to California. And um, so they tend to be a bit of a longer haul airline, which gives them a little bit in common with Spirit. Uh, I think, though, that they're looking at uh, some other airlines, and I think Lufthansa is a good example of a holding company in, in Germany that's bought all kinds of carriers, discount operators, charter operators. And that seems to be a new trend now for these holding companies to want to have, uh, you know, different uh, different buckets where they have uh, expand their market share with, you know, different options. Now, does this mean uh, Spirit Airlines is still going to be Spirit Airlines under the JetBlue umbrella? Will it be a different brand of JetBlue? Or is it going to be fully merged into JetBlue with the name and all of the accoutrements that come with it? You know, it is hard to see Spirit be anything but Spirit, given, uh, you know, one, their reputation being uh, bare bones and, and JetBlue being quite the opposite. And I think when Frontier and Spirit were going to merge, we asked, you know, which carrier, uh, which name are they going to keep? I think here it's pretty evident they'll keep both. Um, but what's interesting is they both have Airbus-heavy uh, fleets, so there can be a lot of maintenance savings. Flight crews can be cross-trained. So uh, this could be an exciting time. And Chicago has a, fair, a fairly uh, large stake in this because of Spirit's presence 
at O'Hare, uh, and uh, we expect that to grow. Thanks for joining us, Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.